Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Here we are once again, all together to talk about the golden age of alternative music from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Welcome. It is another edition of the Only Three Lads podcast, episode 203. Three. Yeah. 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 How's about that? I'm Uncle Greg, of course. That is Brett Vargo, the man, the myth, the legend. Here we are again. Again. So uh, how's life? Everything good? Sure. Yeah, we were just uh, complaining about our jobs. So, I mean, it's like, I really want to be independently wealthy. Like, um, I when the Powerball or any of the lotteries get up in the 100 millions, I'll go spend two bucks. And then, um, I know I'm not going to win. The lottery is a tax on the dumb. But you don't win if you don't play. So, I'll put two bucks down and not get crazy. That's how they get you. They breed this mentality of you can't win if you don't play. It's the whole fear of missing out. So then you play and then you lose and then you feel dejected. Well, but I feel you're good, right. you know, because if I'm throwing two bucks into the kitty and if it goes to like somebody who can use it, you know, like I love hearing the stories. I especially love hearing the stories when like someone young, especially a young male in his early 20s win, because then, you know, you're going to watch just debauchery. So that's always fun. <laughs> but then like there's the stories of people like who really needed it. And then it, there's the stories of the people like call up and can we put it into the corporation because I want to get tax deferments. And it's like, oh, gosh, like when somebody rich wins it, I'm not mad, but it's like, oh, that sucks. You want to hear somebody who's like they got a Pinto or they have, you know, a, a Nissan Sentra and they don't even have hubcaps on it. And now they're going to be, you know, sporting a Bugatti or something like that. That's always fun because you know they're going to just crash at some point. They're going to trick out that Pinto. No, yeah, exactly. You know, they're going to get the running lights and everything, slam it yeah. down, get a wing on it. Oh, dreams. That's hot. Dreams. Dream on. You know, because a lot of people would be like, you know what? I would give money to charity. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would spend a lot of money. That's how it would be charity. I don't know what I would spend it on. I'd probably go a little crazy on watches at first. Like you might have to pull me aside and say, dude, you don't need to spend 80 grand on a watch. And I might do well, that. Your charity could be like wayward women. No, it'd be like uh, wayward Asian foot models. How's that? Would that work? See, you were doing a service. I know. See, I, because I'm a giver. 
I'm a giver. God bless you, Greg. God bless everyone. So you ready to get out of my head and into the list? I mean, what we're talking about this yeah, week? Your head is a frightening place, I, I'll tell you. Oh, it's always just, yeah, it definitely Sometimes is Sometimes I find weird. myself getting a little too much into your head, and, <laughs> and then I'm worried that I'll never get out. Yeah, it's kind of like a uh, one of those like Pandora's boxes. If you open it up, it's kind of, yep. you don't want to look in too long because you might go blind. Well, this week, it's going to be top five L.A. bands. It is. And so we're going to go down our list. It's just us and you this week. So if you are with us right now, please head over to the Facebook page and give us your top five L.A. bands. And of course, I guess there's L.A. County. There's actually L.A. There's the Strip. I just went with bands that when I looked them up, I made sure that they originated from Los Angeles. And that's where I went. Because some of these people, like you like face to face, you know, they were in uh uh, what's it called? Um, I was going to say Folsom County. Orange County. Orange. Well, no, I don't think they were Orange County. They oh, were where more were they? Riverside. They were, oh, they were Riverside? I think they were, they were more, my hood? They were more. I.E. Yeah, they were more meth-based. More yeah. meth-based. Yeah, so they were more inner That's empire. That's how we do it. But I didn't pick them. But I'm just saying, for like, you know, kind of like, so I just went with L.A. bands. Bands from L.A. I try to figure out what was an L.A. band in my mind. I mean, was it a band that just originated from L.A.? Was it a band who recorded their albums there? Was it transplants from other cities who made a dent in the city scene? I think all my bands were probably formed and, and came from L.A., but it was really tough. It was so tough. Yeah, there's a lot of great bands out of L.A., of course. And then you look at Stone Temple Pilots. Like I remember they kept on saying they were out of San Diego, but a lot of people were like, no, they're from like the Midwest, but moved to San Diego yeah. to then launch from there because it would be cooler to say we're from San Diego than... I don't know. Kansas City. I don't know where they were from, to tell you the truth. Being in San Diego, I will agree with that. Well, you know, I also tried to find a balance between cultural significance and then what the bands meant to me. There are bands that I thought of. I apologize if either of these are on your list, but like the Germs or Black Flag. These are bands that should never be excluded from any well-balanced discussion of L.A. music. But really, in the grand scheme of things, neither of them really meant much to me. So they didn't make my list. I'm kind of the same way. I was just thinking of bands that I listened to that I've always enjoyed and that I still continue to listen to. That's how I kind of just what it meant to me. Yeah. What it meant to everyone else to hell's with you. I wanted yeah. to pick my list and you could have your list and put it on our Facebook page and it'll still be respected. But, you know, that's like, you know, like the germs, you get like stuff like that. And it's just kind of like, yeah, they're fun to listen to. But I don't know. It's like where they the ones I was going to run out and go buy their album, like the Dead Milkmen. I don't know if they're from L.A., Dead Milkmen, but I remember like everyone thinking that was weird. Were they from L.A.? I don't know why I always picture the Dead Milkmen coming from like somewhere uh, in the Midwest. Well, that couldn't be the Like Midwest. Minnesota or something. I don't know. Uh, Philadelphia they were from. Oh, there you go. See? There you go. Well, that's a cool place. Yeah, Philly's cool. Yeah. City of brotherly love. Yeah. And I mean, the Dead Milkmen. Yeah. And you would think the Dead Milkmen, that's why I would think they seem more like a surfer type, you know, band. So that's kind of cool out of Philly. Never thought Dead Milkmen would be from Philly. And they were turned on to the uh, late, great Mojo Nixon. Oh, yeah. He was a San Diego fixture. That's true. When I think of L.A. music, though, I think of my mid-60s favorites. I'm thinking of bands that lined the Sunset Strip and played the Roxy and the Whiskey like the Birds. So you want to be Love. Buffalo Springfield. Oh, hello, Mr. Soul. I dropped by the Standells. 
I go down to the strip tonight. The seeds. You're pushing too hard. I'm pushing on me. You're pushing too hard. The doors. Break on through to the other side. Break on through to the other. The mamas and papas. Yeah, for me, when I think of L.A. bands, the first thing would be the hair bands of the 80s, like Rat. Guns N' Roses. Motley Crue. Poison. Early 70s, and you have the Laurel Canyon singer-songwriters and slick, soft rock. You know, when you think of, like, California, you think, like, the Eagles. Take it easy. Take it easy. Well, that's like Yacht Rock. Like, you ever just listen to Yacht Rock? No. Oh. I can safely say I don't. <laughs> no, well, it's really good making love music sometimes. Well, I don't do that. Well, you're married, so... <laughs> It happens. It's okay. You're not alone, Brett. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, we joke. Well, let's get into our list before we get in trouble. I yeah, am let's do that. Um, drinking Diet Pepsi and water, and I just had a protein shake because I just got back from the gym. I am Watermelon LaCroix. Wow. Is that your new name? That would be a hot name, wouldn't it? Yeah, it sounds really good. Like a drag queen or a stripper name? Say it again. Now appearing, Watermelon LaCroix. Yeah, well, it's more of a drag queen than it is a stripper because it'd be more like Destiny LaCroix or something like that. I don't know if you can see this, but it's actually Pastique, which apparently is watermelon maybe in French. Pastique. How come they don't have drinks like in Arabic? Like, wouldn't that be kind of like a good, strong, like coffee, like whatever you're drinking? And it's always like French sounding. It's kind of like. Because it's fancy. Yeah, fancy. It's fancy. See, I don't like fancy. I would rather have the. Then my favorite drink is. You know what I mean? Like, that would be a good drink, I think. Like, that would be a good, strong drink to keep you up at night. When you have to work. Well, our good friend, Dr. Don, who is now uh, located for a few years to Dubai, I'm sure he is experiencing all sorts of different products. I mean, it's so westernized over there because it's so probably chic. They have, you know, like KFC and all this other stuff. I've seen his posts where they have Five Guys and Starbucks and everything you'd have over here. Yeah, no, it looks like a fun place. I, I have actually known of people who have gone there to work and they all say the same thing, that it's great. Hmm. It's hot. But it's great. But I live in Phoenix. World so. tour. Yeah, let's go. We could do live from Dubai. Let's see if the uh, crown prince there will bring us in. And then we can do like an alternative night at his favorite club. I'm in. All right. All right. Don. Let's make that happen. Hook it up, bro. Let's do this. Hook it up. We all, we'll even take coach to Dubai. We don't even need first class. We were going to talk lists, weren't we? That, that didn't happen. Sorry. Top five <laughs> LA bands. We have our list. Hopefully you have yours. We talked about what we're looking for. Do you want to start? So I talked about the 60s. And if I were putting together a list of L.A. bands since the 60s, my list is going to look radically different because it's definitely going to have the birds, definitely going to have love. It's going to have the standells. But if there were a concentric circle between my 60s list and my O3L era list, inside that concentric circle would be the Beach Boys. Hmm. As my number five. 
when I was waxing ecstatic about the LA sound, I intentionally left out a crucial component of it because I knew we'd get to this point. So the Beach Boys, of course, are possibly the band that you would think of when you think of the LA area or California. Their music conjures up either Surf and Sun with their early singles or maybe the intricate chamber pop perfection of Pet Sounds or even the whacked out ambition that weighed down the Smile Project. But today, I am focusing on what happened after the 60s, and it wasn't all great. But this is why the Beach Boys occupy the number five position and not something higher, because frankly, in the O3L period, they were an absolute hot mess. They started the decade in fine fashion. The first two albums of the 70s, Sunflower and Surf's Up, are amongst their greatest works. I mean, it's worth the price price of admission for Sunflower to hear Dennis Wilson's hauntingly beautiful ballad Forever or Brian's This Whole World. But after that, it's touch and go. So I'm gone away But not forever Now, there were skewed moments of greatness, like 1977's Beach Boys Love You, which I've mentioned on this show before. It's one of my personal favorites. It's puerile. It's bonkers. It's this weird synth pop excursion that balances the bizarre and the beautiful. It shouldn't work. And yet it does somehow. I bet he's nice. I bet he's twice. As nice as me and it makes me cry Cause I remember you and I Please don't tell me if it's true Because I'm still in love with you Pretty darling, you my And then there's underrated gems like the Holland album And then there is the purely execrable I can say that word. Sort of. They released some absolute pure trash, like 15 big ones, and the absolutely terrible nadir of probably any major band's career, Summer in Paradise. They also had full house appearances. Subsequently, they added John Stamos to their touring band. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. come on. Come on, Beach Boys. That was, what, 88, right? Yeah. Also, for better or for worse... The Beach Boys really invented the whole concept of the oldies nostalgia band. And that happened because their Endless Summer compilation from 1974 exponentially drew more interest than whatever material they were releasing at the time. So that may seem like a bad thing. Then again, think about where rock and roll was at that time. It was starting to buckle under the weight of its own pretentiousness and self-seriousness. And it kind of reminded people to have a little fun. So that's not all that bad. But here's the thing. I know you're saying, well, why did you pick the Beach Boys in if all you're going to do is just bash on them? Even if they were a mixed bag during the O3L era, just listen to the lasting influence that these kids from Hawthorne had on the music we love. The Ramones, Weezer, Stereo Lab, Lindsey Buckingham, the High Llamas, the whole Elephant Six Collective. I mean, countless power pop or dream pop or broke pop or indie pop 
On influence alone, I would say that it's enough to warrant a spot on this list. So I ask you, haven't the Beach Boys done enough for us already? Yes. I rest my case. All right. Great pick. Thank you. Good pick. I totally respect that. Never even crossed my mind, the Beach Boys, because yeah. I think of the 60s. And then I'm with you. Kokomo, I, I guess I don't, wouldn't call it garbage, but it was, <laughs> it's nothing like, it was good for the old people at the time in 1988. And I was 18 and I, way down in Kokomo, Aruba. I mean, know. it was a hit with the kids. It, it got played at my junior high dances. So, yeah, I mean, well, there's something. Slow dance. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, people liked it. And it was nice to see them. Um, and now there's not very many Beach Boys left. You got Brian Wilson. He's still around. Yeah, sad news about Brian Wilson. Yeah. Didn't his wife just die or something or something happened? Uh, his wife died and then he was put under conservatorship because he is suffering from dementia. Oh, wow. Wow. So, yeah. Well, we still love you, Brian. We love your music. We Thank do you love for you, all you did. Yes, absolutely. A legend. My son always tells me that I have dementia and I'm like, yeah, probably because I can't remember anything, you know, and it's really, it's getting bad because I'll be talking about somebody and I'll be like, you know, that guy, um, he was in that movie and I can never remember like someone's name. Oh, Brad Pitt. You know, it's like why I should know Brad Pitt or something like that. But I'm getting to the age of, I just don't care. Like whenever I'm on social media and then they show like the new darling or they make a big deal, like this person just farted. And it's like, I've don't, I have no idea who this so-called famous person is, you know? And it's always like, I guess they're on a TV show or on like the big hit show that people are streaming i have no idea never saw this person in my life and so i'm like wow i'm really losing it because with pop culture i am in left field and i'm leaving the stadium there's a difference between losing it and just simply not caring though but there's a lot of losing it too where i'm just uh i don't know like i can't remember names and it takes me a while I was trying to give you the benefit of the, I mean, believe me, there was that one time when I didn't remember the selectors catalog number for their 1982 single. Yeah, I know. It happens, you know? It's really tough. That's why, yeah. That's why cocaine, kids. I kid, I kid. But it will help you remember things because your brain will finally be moving. Okay. Brought to you by cocaine. Brought to you by cocaine, but don't do it. I haven't even seen cocaine in decades, so. I mean, I might have seen it on TV, but not in like person. I can't remember ever seeing it in person. Really? Is that sad? Have I lived a sheltered life? No, you lived a good life. That's why you're okay, a good, good person. Yeah, no, no, no. You, you should never be upset that you haven't given into a vice. Well, I'm not even saying so much as like, I have not tried cocaine, nor do I plan on ever doing so, but I've never even like been in the same room as it or seen anybody do it or even carry it. Okay. This is the thing about cocaine. Okay. The first time you would try it, you would be like, where has this been all my life? You euphoric. Like if you were like a guy, just think of like the best day of your life where all the girls want you and you feel superior. If you're a female, think of it that that dress that you love fits perfectly and your boobs are perfect. Your hair is perfect. Everything you ever wanted to block a block, block shoes, they fit perfect. That's like cocaine the first time. But the problem with cocaine is that you would always be chasing that feeling because you'll never get that feeling back. Mm. So then that's, and then that's when addiction comes in. And then that's where some people, you know, fall off the deep end. Now there's some people who can just do cocaine 
on the weekends or once in a while and everything's cool. It's like smoking. Like some people could smoke only when they drink, that sort of thing. But then there's the people who then get addicted. Remember that commercial? I'll work harder so I can earn more money so I can buy more Coke. So I can work harder so I can earn more money so I can buy more Coke. And that's kind of the wheel that some people get stuck on. That was a commercial? Yeah. Brought to you by cocaine? Well, it wasn't co- It was an anti-drug, just say no oh. type thing. Yeah. Because we all remember, this is your brain on drugs. And yes. it's like, you know, the, I never had, like, whenever I was on drugs, that my brain was like an egg frying in a pan. It was probably more like an egg on ice. Which is just gross. Well, yeah. But I'm like, I, like, like I never lost a job, a house, a car, never wrecked anything. Had the time of my life on drugs at times. But it's like, what cost was it? What fork in the road would I have taken differently if I wasn't high or zipping along at, you know, 18, 20 years old. Why, you might have started a podcast. Possibly. All right. Well, let's talk about my number five. <laughs> We're getting too deep. This is what happens when we do these it weird is. ones just between Brett and I. Because we have, we, yeah, we lose all Late sort of, night. you know, it's like this, uh, we would have this structure when we have other people, but when we don't have it, <laughs> the structure goes out the window. <sighs> oh, so here we go. Okay. So my number five band. I really, really love. I saw them at this place called The Grind. God, back in the 90s. And the lead singer and the drummer, I mean, they were fighting. You can tell the band was not getting along at this show. And uh, I think that they broke up right around this time, that first time in the 90s. I think it was 94 when they broke up. Somewhere around there. But I remember being there at that show, seeing that. And then I saw the lead singer at the Musical Instrument Museum, which is in Scottsdale. In Scottsdale, not far from where I live. I don't live in Scottsdale, but I could hop on the freeway and be there within 10, 15 minutes. But she was doing a DVD and she was gonna run through these songs and it was like storytelling, so it was super cool. And I wasted all that time to tell you that my number five band is Concrete Blonde. Johnette Napolitano was the lead singer who was doing the MIM show. Uh, it was cool to hear, hear her stories. One of Brett's favorite bands, Wall of Voodoo. Mm. Yeah, she was uh, I, She was um, talking about, I guess, the guitar player in that band who broke everything up in Wall of Voodoo. The song Joey is kind of about him. She was talking about that. And then also, um, I never knew that she was like a Navy wife. When she was like 18, she married a Navy guy and that's what brought her out to L.A. in which she oh, started wow. this band. And so now she lives, I want to say, in like the desert area of Southern California, like uh, 29 Palms, like that area. Right. And so she lives out there now. She was always talking about that in the middle of nowhere. I don't know, Concrete Blonde, Bloodletting. Who didn't love that song and that whole album? Uh, that's why I picked them. I just said Concrete Blonde. I better get them on this list because they're damn cool. Mercy on the stage. 
had photographer and fellow podcaster Mike Hippel mm-hmm. on the show, and he talked about going out to meet her to, to photograph her. And it was out in the desert somewhere. And he was waiting and waiting. I think he made a wrong turn somewhere. And then all of a sudden, Jeanette Napolitano comes riding in like this flowing gown on this white horse, like a mirage. Bloodletting was that's I still like to play that because yeah. the bass lines, it just make me so happy. OK, so my number four is the band originally known as the Salvation Army until they were forced to change it by the ooh, Salvation well, Army, the Salvation Army. <laughs> So they became better known as the Three O'Clock. Singer, songwriter, bassist, and sole constant member Michael Carcio was actually the one to coise the frame phrase. Wow. Wow, it is late. I think I'm I'm rubbing off on you. Like English yeah, is like are. really Anyway, he coined the phrase Paisley Underground, which described the scene that contained like-minded bands like the Long Riders, the Bangles, the Rain Parade, Green on Red, Dream Syndicate, etc. Bands that blended chiming British invasion guitar pop with garage rock grit, sun-kissed harmonies, and acid-fried psych. lineup of the band formed for classic records like 1982's Bro Down, 1984's 16 Tambourines, and 1985's Arrive Without Traveling. They incorporated members of other notable bands like The Quick, a great band from the 70s that then morphed into Great Buildings, and then ultimately the Rembrandts, yes, of the Friends TV theme. But they had tracks like Jet Fighter, Her Head's Revolving, and Halfway There that would garner airplay on K-Rock and help them become fixtures on the LA scene throughout the 80s. Now, what made them unique? Curcio had this wispy, wimpy voice, which stood in stark contrast to the machismo of a lot of the male singers of the era, not to mention the band's predilection for pretty arrangements full of synthesized harpsichord and slightly fruity titles like With Cantaloupe Girlfriend and Why Cream Curdles in Orange Tea. Yeah, that's a Brett band for you. get me wrong all of these traits totally work in their favor so that's why they are my number four the three o'clock wow i'll have to check that out i can't say that i know the three o'clock you probably do you probably would recognize jet fighter okay it got played a lot on k-rock back in the day uh it gets played on resurrection sunday every once in a while too all right well number four for me was a band i was in alternative radio Again, I grew up in Phoenix, so we didn't really have alternative radio. We did have a station called KUKQ. It was on AM. They would tell you to turn down the bass and turn up the treble, and then it would sound just as good as FM. Of course, (laughs) it didn't. But um, that's all we had, and they were talk about core. Like, everybody listened to that station. They had the black fingernails, and so that's when the station, The Edge, came into town. It was more, I guess, mainstream, more college. And so it was lighter. And I remember the very first time I heard this band's music, I was like, what is that? 
and then I dove into them and uh, then they came out with another album in 94 which was even bigger that I loved even more but the very first song I heard from this band that got me interested because again I didn't cool grow up in a cool place where we would hear this stuff and I wasn't really exposed to it but the very first song was American Jesus from of course mm. I'm talking about bad religion struck a nerve we played and then like i said the next year stranger than fiction came out which is still something i listen to all the time infected i remember playing that on the radio stranger than fiction 21st century digital boy and uh, talk about brett you were saying influential bands that mean something really the foundation that really i guess kind of lays the foundation for music today i mean these guys been around for over 40 years. And I wish you the best of luck here. Drop a car or letter on my side of town. Cause there's no time for busting and fighting, my friend. But baby, I'm amazed at the hate that you could send. And you, painting my entire world. But I don't have the turpentine to clean what you as oil. And then the cool thing about it is the lead singer. I mean, come on, the guy, he's a professor at a college. So this is like his side gig, um, but it's awesome. Bad Religion, I had to get them on there. So they're that number four. Brett from Bad Religion formed Epitaph Records. Yes, and that's still going strong. Yeah, it's still going strong. Classic staple of Southern California punk rock. Isn't now the Linda Lindas, aren't, aren't they on that label? I believe they are. Yeah, so there you go. Still kicking it. Cool, cool show. All right. right. Awesome. And just for the record, I am two for two for you so far. Oh, you figured I would get those? Kind of. I mean, it's concrete it's kind blonde. Of really? You got? I thought that would be the curveball. I have a list of one, two, three, four, five, six. I have a list of seven. Yeah. You're probably going to get them all. that I chose for you that I figured five of those would be on your list. Yeah. No, you're probably right. You probably got them all. We'll see. I'm predictable. That's what I am. But I, like I said, I go with what I like. I don't worry about, you know, with you, you have all these rules and you want to make sure and you pick like bands like the three o'clock. I'm obsessed. I, yeah. I'm just, I'm stupid. No, you're not stupid. Stop it. I don't I like, no, really you're not is. calling my friends stupid. Let me, I have to talk to the demon in your head. Okay. So just quiet, Brett. I'm talking to your demon. Okay. Shut, well, shut the fuck up. <laughs> my demon. Shut up. All right. Brett is a good man. Okay. Brett's a, and he's Greg. smart. He had, My demon sounds like Fat Albert. He had a lot of time as a children, as a young children, <laughs> to listen to all kinds of music. He was in Southern California where they had great radio stations that played just bands that most of us never got to hear from because... What's your favorite LA band, Mushmouth? <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't know. The Doors would have been good. I really like the Mamas and the Papas. I listen to them a lot. I do. I listen to Mamas and Papas a lot. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I agree, Rudy. Wouldn't you enjoy getting into a time machine and hanging out with the Mamas and Papas? That must have been a riot. Like, 
Uh, when, for Michelle Phillips alone, yeah. Well, I'm just, but even just the whole band, Ooh. like you know, those guys were nuts. They had to have been nuts, and the people they hung oh, they out were with, nuts. yeah, they, everyone was nuts. It would have been like it would be fun yeah. for like a weekend. Not saying, yeah, and then you can like come back and go, whoa, nuts. Speaking of nuts, this podcast is making zero sense, but we are talking about our top five LA bands. We've already discussed Cocaine, but it's LA bands, so what do you expect? And it came full circle to mamas and papas who, as far as I know, probably did lots of cocaine. Well, everybody did lots of cocaine in the 70s there, especially. They thought it was like vitamins. Like they thought it was like the acne berry or whatever the hell. What is like the new health thing acne? now? I don't even know. A-C-U-I. Acai. Uh, see, there you go. Acai. Acai. It's, it's Portuguese. Yeah. from Brazil. Yeah. Acai. So now what? So you take it anally and it's supposed to give you energy. What exactly do you do with these berries? It makes a wonderful bowl. Really? Yeah, if you take the acai sorbet frozen puree stuff and top it with fruits and nuts and coconut and stuff, it's, it's well, amazing. Well, what's like the latest thing that's supposed to be so healthy that, you know, you can't do without? Because I remember years and years ago in Phoenix before World War II, it was um, they would mix grapefruit with orange juice. And that was supposed to be like the healthiest drink in the world that will give you boners and energy and all kinds of stuff. So what is like the new thing now? The, the acai berry was, I mean, that's already out now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the acai has had its day. Right. I passed by two sugarcane juiceries last week. Wow, maybe that's the new thing. Because I'm like, like, coconut water was big and that was everywhere. I just don't know what's the new thing. See, again, I don't know who the famous people are and what's the new thing that's supposed to make you super healthy and... Gotta touch grams. I guess so. Hey, stick around. We're going to continue this list. Make sure and get your list onto our Facebook page. We're also on Twitter, or excuse me, X. We're also on Instagram. Anything else? We've been talking about doing video. I'm going to bug Brett to make sure that we get video here soon. Let's do video. Well, even just like little shorts where we can get okay. video. And then we'll I'm put in. those there. All right. So, because I'm going to learn how to do the editing. Deal. All right. I'm all excited now. Can't you tell? No, I thought that was just the grapefruit juice and orange juice talking. Oh, uh, well. Hubba, hubba. Our list continues after this. This is right. Lars from Autogram. You're listening to Only Three Lads. Have you heard? O3L Radio is on the air. Just download the Live 365 app or go to live365.com and search for O3L Radio and you'll be right there with us. You'll hear the best mix of classic alternative from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Punk, new wave, indie, synth pop, brit pop, power pop, and more. The classics you love and the deep cuts and artists you love to discover with new tracks being added and rotated every week. You'll hear exclusive shows like How Soon Is Now, a selection of then and now tracks from your favorite artists. It's a mad world after all, spotlighting music from around the world. Time for action, your hookup for the best in mod and soul, and of course, content from our podcasts, including behind-the-scenes stuff that you won't hear anywhere else. And now, announcing Take On Me, the show where you take over the station and create a playlist of the 10 songs that rock your musical world. If you're interested in appearing on Take On Me, send us a message on any of our social media platforms or email us at only3lads at gmail.com. O3L Radio, it's where it's at. No 
We are back. Thank you for sticking around. We know it's been difficult. We were just asking, does anyone find this entertaining besides us? And Brett said, hell no. And so no, I, I like to think that you all find us wildly entertaining, uh, wildly or at least tolerable. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully people are just going, I'll take another shot and see if I can spend another five minutes with these two this week. We are talking about our top five L.A. bands and we've already gone through our four and five pick. And now we are yep. up to number three. Brett. Yes. Who is it for you? Well, I think I'm going to give you another little curveball here because my number three L.A. band reflects the ethnic and stylistic diversity of the city. And this band's mix of rock, funk, soul and Latin music paved the way for groups from Los Lobos to N.W.A. From the L.B.C. representing it is war. Hmm. War originally sprung from a group called The Creators, whose music already reflected the racial and cultural mix from their L.A. ghetto upbringing. Now, the band was rechristened as War when they joined forces with the Animals' Eric Burden, which spawned the smash single Spill the Wine in 1970. With Eric Burden, they released two albums in 1970, one being a double, so that's pretty prolific. Plus, they did a whirlwind tour that actually saw Jimi Hendrix sitting in with them in what would become Jimi Hendrix's last performance before he died the following day. And then later in the tour, Eric Burden collapsed on stage and was sidelined for the rest of the tour. So that actually gave War a chance to regroup and subsequently flourish on their own. So after their self-titled 1971 album, which found them kind of reclaiming their own sound following Burden's departure, they unleashed one of the most impressive run of albums from the era. All Day Music from 1971, The World is a Ghetto, 1972, Deliver the Word, 1973, and Why Can't We Be Friends, 1975. That is a four-album run for you. And classic after classic single, Slippin' Into Darkness, The World is a Ghetto, Cisco Kid, Gypsy Man, Why Can't We Be Friends, Low Rider, Summer. songs that sounded smooth coming out of your ghetto blaster on a hot summer day or they bumped and boomed out of your car speakers as you were yeah low riding with the windows open songs that were honest and spoke of the trials and tribulations of their surroundings the crime the poverty the racism but more than anything it was music as a driving force for unity and brotherhood i mean why can't we be friends right all day imprint on LA and really the world so yeah that's my number three war 
Great pick. I didn't, Thank you. Again, another band. You're, you have all these bands that I didn't even cross my mind. Didn't even make my list. Well, there you go. That's what I'm here for. Ah, very good. All right. Expect the unexpected, Greg. I will. With you, curveballs just abound. Throw one right down the middle for me. You ready? Okay. Yeah, this one, you're, you, it's going to be on your list. But where you're going to be shocked is because as, as I was when I started looking into it, I was like, I got to get this band on there because of just who they are, their um, influence, the music they put out, what they meant to the alternative scene. But they only had four studio albums. Four. Hmm. And you're thinking, wow, this band only has four studio albums and they are who they are. But we all remember when Nothing Shocking came out. Oh. Oh, see. They got all his, I guess, uh, Spanish on us. Richero de la Habitual. I'm saying that completely wrong. Say it for me. Ritual de lo Habitual. It's got Perry Farrell on there with his two girlfriends. Remember that came out. That was all shocking. But of course, I'm talking about Jane's addiction. Juan's addiction. to know they only had four studio albums and they are who they are talk about why can't we be friends why can't jane jane's addiction just get along for like 15 minutes and uh i think they do at times but then it falls apart and of course perry farrell he's got Lollapalooza now so does he care so i don't know i said i gotta get jane's addiction on there because of who they are what they meant the influence i can go on and on but um really the very first alternative band to really break through to the mainstream. And then we all remember Ben Cott stealing when that video hit. And then, you know, the Lollapalooza started here in Phoenix. And the band brawled the whole time, from what I understand. Mm. It's legendary. I don't even think I realized that they had that many albums. Right? Because yeah. they had the two originally. So did they have two when they reformed? They have Strays in 2003. And in 2011, okay. they had the great Escape Artist. I missed that one. I think most people did too. But we all know them from the early, ni- you know, from 88 and 90. And then the 90s, then Pornos for Pyros. I remember when that came, Pets playing that song, yeah. like Porno for Pyros, Perry Farrell after Jane's Addiction went into Splinters. And then Dave Navarro went into Red Hot Chili Peppers. And then they were macking on that video. Remember that? They, uh, no. Anthony Kiedis and Dave Navarro. Were like making out? Yeah, they were kissing in the video. You remember that? Am I no, wrong? I don't think I do. It's just, just a dream. It's just, just my fantasy. I don't make a habit of watching Red Hot Chili Peppers videos. So that's probably why. It's not you, it's me. I just remember seeing the video going, okay, but it was when Dave Navarro, like they said Dave Navarro was a great rock star. And I think they're all still friends. I don't know. Maybe they hate each other. I really don't know these people. But um, you don't hear them talking crap about each other. So that's always good. 
But let me see here, because it was the Dave Navarro experiment, like in the early, it was like 95. I can picture, I'm trying to think of the name of the album because I can picture it. Again, I can't remember any damn names, but I could, if I could draw, One Hot Minute was the name of the CD. Navarro, he first appeared with the band in Woodstock of 94. And then what was the song? I can't remember the song, but there was a video. And if you know what I'm talking about, um, you remember it then too. I'll take your word for it. Let me see here. Well, now I feel like I'm like telling tales out of school. You know what no, I mean? No, you're not. You're not. It was... Uh, yeah. And if guys want to kiss, who cares? I'm, you know, I don't care. But, warped? Yeah, Warped. Warped. I, the music video caused an uproar with the band's label as it featured a kiss between Kiedis and Navarro. There you go. See, and that was just... I remember the kiss. Could I remember the song? No. But like, and it wasn't just like a kiss. It was like... They were diving down each other's throats in that video. But it was, I guess, shocking at the time. Now it'd be like, yawn. Brought to you by cocaine. Yeah, probably didn't help. Brought to you by grapefruit juice and orange juice. There you go. The root of all boners. <laughs> oh, this one's going to oh. go down. People are so, like, okay, so, so Jane's Addiction. That's, yeah, that's my number three. Jane's Addiction. Okay. Juan's Addiction. Cool. Uh, always reminds me of Cats. Why is that? Because Perry Farrell sounds like a cat to me. Really? Seriously, try this with any Jane's Addiction song. Just meow, and it fits perfectly. Ben Cotton. Like Jane says. Jane's. Meow, meow. Meow, 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 meow. Wow. Yeah. I think we have a hit single somewhere with meows. Been caught stealing. Meow, meow, meow. Meow, meow, meow. That one doesn't work as well. <laughs> okay. I'm telling you, we're on to something. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe a low-rated po uh, podcast for episode 203. <laughs> maybe that's what we're heading towards. They really jumped the shark on this. Yeah, yeah it was one. episode 203. That's when it was, it was, it was, we was the one it was where over. they started meowing. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, my number two is almost synonymous with L.A. Punk, not least because they gave L.A. an eponymous punk anthem. It is the classic foursome of John Doe, Exene Cervenka, DJ Bonebreak, and Billy Zoom, otherwise known as X. Nice. influential even if their career had only rested on their seminal first two albums they would be revered and remembered today the band's sound was fast loud and snotty but not quite like the la hardcore bands that ruled the day because they also incorporated elements of roots rock country blues surf and rockabilly featuring john doe and exine's distinctive sweet and sour harmonies and they wrote intelligent but also intelligible lyrics. On top of that, they had ties to LA's musical past because their first four records were produced by Doors keyboardist Ray Manzarek. So I mentioned the first two records, but their follow-ups under The Big Black Sun and More Fun in the New World and also Ain't Love Grand are all worthy additions to a nearly flawless early catalog. You also have 1987's See How We Are and 1993's 
Jesus, which are minor works, but both have their moments. But then their 2020 comeback album, Alphabet Land, recaptures that lightning in a bottle. It really is a cool album. Plus, they're a consistent concert draw, well worth your time to check out if and when they come to your town. So with indisputable classics like We're Desperate, Johnny Hidden Run Pauline, White Girl, Fourth of July, The World's a Mess, It's in My Kiss, they put the torch in the twang and expanded the possibilities of American punk rock. So good enough for number two for me, X. That's a good X. pick. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Because they're yeah. talking about influential people who meant something very nice. Indeed. Indeed. We're at my number two. So I was thinking of who should I pick? Because there's a lot of great bands. Yep. You know, like um, L7, yeah. Low Pop Suicide, Mazzy Star. Good one. Tool, all from LA. But I had to go with my gut. And, you know, anytime a band, usually a shelf life for a band's about five years, and then it's kind of over. But this band, this year would be the 30th year anniversary of their first album. And the reason why I was so into this band before they even put out their album, I remember hearing about this band that Rick Okasik mm -hmm. was being producer for. And then of course, Weezer put out the Blue Album in 1994. Hard to believe this year will be the 30 year anniversary. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Time has flown. But they actually had, I guess, their first one out in 92, but this was the first major album. And remember Undone, the sweater song? I remember spinning that, God, probably 50,000 times myself. Buddy Holly, Say It Ain't So, all the singles off that first album. And then, of course, you go from there, and it's just, you know, they just have banger after banger. And then in 2021, they put out two albums. So they're still going strong. And to think, like I said, a shelf life for a band's usually five years. And 30 years, I'm sure they got new music somewhere in the hopper, and they're going to be putting it out. But Weezer has got to be on a list of important bands. And, um, they're one of my favorites since 94, so I had to put them on this list. As you can tell, I don't have the same academia type talk about bands like Brett does. <laughs> oh, but, come now. But these guys, they have guitars and they got drums and a bass player. And they were like nerd rock, but they weren't nerdy. Not to me. Thank God for Weezer and long live Weezer, period. End of story. And most recently, they put out their whole Seasons series. I think that was the last thing they did was uh, 2022. They released 
write an EP or some of them, I think, bordered on a mini album of each of the four seasons. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, here's the thing is that with Weezer, like, like if you first saw them, you would think 30 years from now, they're going to still be going strong and still be relevant that's what so like you can still have bands out there like the beach boys doing you know the novelty you know still filling up five to eight thousand you know theaters you know hey that's awesome like like here some people some like they'll see a band and they're at like one of the indian gaming casinos and people are like oh man they've really fallen it's like whoa 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 that's some of the best gigs there's no overhead number one you have a place to stay they're going to feed you they make a lot of money and it's not a bad gig. And I've seen many bands at like Indian gaming casinos and it is an awesome place to go see a band. Like um, I know uh, Blue October used to play a lot at the uh, Indian gaming places and now they're doing more club, not clubs, but small venues, like probably like four to 5,000, maybe 2,500 sure. to 5,000. But still that's a great night. What are you kidding? Are you kidding? And now you go see a damn band um, I just went and bought the Kills tickets. Went to go see the Kills. Nice. Um, have we talked about this already? For some reason, I feel. Uh, I don't did. know if we did on the show. I know you and I did talk about yeah, it. Yeah. So um, I'm really excited about that. But damn, tickets aren't cheap, even just to stand on a floor. Nope. Not anymore. And then I was taking a look. Who was it that I was just going to see? See, this is where my brain goes kaput. Oh, Psychedelic Furs. They're playing in, I say, I think May in Phoenix at the Celebrity Theater. That's right. They're touring. Yeah. The cheapest seats, uh, like 60 bucks. And then, it, now the Celebrity Theater, it's like, it's a cool place to see a show because every seat's kind of close. It's kind of in the round and it's a really great place. Mm. So 60 bucks, but then they want to have a handling fee. And then they want to have a first knuckle in your butt fee. And then they want to have this fee. So the $60 ticket becomes more like 185 Right. And then yeah. the taxes. And you're like, wow, I thought I was paying. I thought I was stretching it with 55 for the seat. But no, you have to pay all these fees. And then falling in reverse. I saw this on social media. The lead singer was kind of bashing. They were, they were at some club because now, do you know, like some of these clubs, they charge these bands like 25% of the gross. Oh, merch sales? In merch sales. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, that sucks. Like these guys go out and and it's not 25% minus cost. It's 25%. So they're eating into the cost too. So it's kind of like if you sold $1,000 worth of merch, they're going to want 250 of that and that's where a lot of the bands make their money now on tours is, is through right. the merch so i mean they absolutely should take 100 percent of that and and there are bands now who will refuse to play at venues who take a cut of the uh, merch table that's what this guy was saying good for them yeah well it just depends well a lot of the um even kind of small clubs are now owned by live nation they went out and bought yeah. everything and that's why live nation is so powerful right now I don't want to wish Boy. cancer on anybody, but if you own a club and you're charging the artist 25% just to sell their merch, I kind of hope you get leukemia. I'm just saying. Well, I mean, we can wish that upon Live Nation because as far as I know, a company cannot actually get cancer. So it's kind of safe. Oh, I'm going to die of cancer. So like, oh, you can't wish cancer. You'll get cancer. Okay, well, I'm going to die of cancer. That's my family history. So one day I'll be like, hey, Brett. And <laughs> that's how you're going to sound possible. That's, that's if, if I have throat okay. cancer, you need your sleep. Greg. You know? Yeah. We should stop doing these at night. That's yeah. like, <laughs> that might. <laughs> All right. What's your number? 
What the hell? So we're we taking were at, a break. Uh, we have to take yes. a break, and then we'll Please, read our number one. Please, let's spare everybody. Oh, thank God. We are, I'm, I'm sure that I've offended how many people in just this podcast alone? Three? Well, if I have, I didn't mean to. I meant everything I said. I didn't mean to offend you. But if it hurts you, I will try and do better next time. Brought to you by cocaine. No. Brought to you by Diet Pepsi. Not officially licensed. <laughs> yeah. It's not actually brought to you by For Pepsi, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm kidding. I kid, I kid. All right, hey, stick around. Our number one top five LA bands and probably uh, our um, jet engine trip off of uh, this podcast platform uh, is coming up after this. Hi, this is Renee Shire. I'm Freddie Moore's wife. We wrote his memoir and we just recorded Only Three Lads podcast. And I love these lads. They're great. It was really fun and I enjoyed every minute of it. Once again, thank you for hanging out with us. It's the Only Three Lads podcast where each and every week we get to hang out with you and talk about the golden age of alternative music from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. I'm Uncle Greg. Of course, we have Brett Vargo, and we are talking about our top five L.A. bands, counting them down on episode 203, and hopefully we will go to 204. We do have plans for it. And again, uh, this one... We'll just, you know, we'll just have to see where it lands on your favorites. I think we're doing this a little later than normal. It is. It's what time? It's almost 11 o'clock there, your time? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm keeping you up well past your bedtime. Oh, no. It really is, isn't my, the bedtime thing. It's just that I had to go to work all day today. Yeah. So that's why I'm lit. That's why you're lit. I don't know. Metaphorically. Yes. You're metaphorically yes. lit. No, no, no. Yes. Absolutely sober. I actually squeezed in a leg workout before this. Yeah, good for you. Give your yeah. endorphins running. Well, are we ready then to wrap this up with the crossover? Yeah, let's, let's do, it. do it. Okay. So with all due respect to the other trailblazing, pioneering, all female bands to come out of LA, namely Fanny, the Runaways, the Bangles. My number one is the Fab Five and to me, the best representation of Los Angeles music during the O3L era. That being the Go-Go's. Mm, nice. Maybe crossover? I don't know. The Go-Go's grew from the dank clubs of the city to the gloss, glamour, and fun of Los Angeles in the new wave era. They were, of course, a band made for MTV, or maybe MTV was made for them. Five ex-punk rock girls who became the unlikely role models for young girls and daydream fodder for the young boys. But for all that the Go-Go's represented culturally, musically, their importance cannot be overstated. We talked about Jane's Addiction not having that many albums. The Go-Go's, during their original run, released three albums. But during that run, they broke barriers, they shattered stereotypes, they wrote their own brilliant songs, they played their own instruments in a rock and roll world that somehow still held on to the archaic notion that boys could do it better. They were not just a great band for a bunch of girls. They were a great band, period. Yeah. 
argued that commercial pursuits and record company pressures dulled their edge somewhat, but what they lost in punk cred, they more than made up for in sharp hooks and pop smarts. Take their debut, Beauty and the Beat, one of the perfect albums of the new wave era, so good that it plays like a greatest hits. Of course you've got Our Lips Are Sealed and We Got the Beat, but you also have Lust to Love, This Town, How Much More, Skid Marks on My Heart, Can't Stop the World, every track. Even if the two albums that followed, being The Rushed, Vacation, and 1984's talk show, aren't quite the equal of Beauty and the Beat, they pack more pure pleasures than most artists can manage over an entire career. Vacation, Get Up and Go, Beatnik Beach, Worlds Away, Head Over Heels, Turn to You, I'm the Only One, Yes or No. Belinda, Jane, Charlotte, Kathy, and Gina have spent the last 30 years reuniting for live gigs and the occasional studio record like 2001's God Bless the Go-Go's and yes, God bless them for it. Don't just take it from me. Go to YouTube, watch the impassioned 2021 speech by Drew Barrymore inducting the Go-Go's into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, that is exactly what the Go-Go's mean to people and to the institution of rock and roll. So number one, the very iconic, the very glorious Go-Go's. Awesome pick. Thank you. Yes, I remember Belinda Carlisle is probably my very first celebrity crush. Yeah. I still would have to say that I'm, I'm there. I'm still yeah. there. And the head over heels video with her wearing like that sweatshirt. Off the shoulder. The, off the shoulder. That's when I said, wow, I don't only pee out of this thing. And I said, young. These are important things for young men. Yes. Well, we had MTV. Nowadays, these young men, they can just go to Google, get anything that they want. Uh, Generation X kids, we used to have to watch MTV. And then the Jay Giles band, you know, Angel is my centerfold would come on. Then the negligee part, you were like, awesome. Yep. Sticks, Mr. Roboto. I mean, <laughs> whatever, bro. Whatever. <laughs> Boy, you lost me. See? Right in the gutter. That was one hot I'm having robot. fantasies of Belinda. Think just like, see how he's just say Belinda and like the cells of your body feel happier. I'm, I'm feeling very yeah. happy right now. And you got, but don't, we can't forget Jane, Kathy. Jane is a riot. If you do not follow Jane on social media, yes. she is one of the coolest people on the face of this earth. Yeah. She was like a dominatrix for a while. Remember like the, uh, she was on some show, like on a, uh, one of those like fake reality yeah, shows yeah. where they put, I don't know, something about celebrities. The surreal life. I didn't watch it. Surreal life. Okay. Well, there you go. Google's was a great pick. And why didn't it make my list? I don't know. It didn't make your list? I thought for sure that was going to be a crossover. Me too. Huh. Me too. I, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, Go-Go's, yeah, they're on there, but I was kind of going through. There's another band you'll be shocked. I didn't put no doubt on this list. All right. So if I can show you, I there's can. my Greg list over on the right. Yeah, I see. Bad Religion, uh, Go-Go's, Concrete yeah. Blonde, No Doubt, Rage Against the Machine, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and I have no idea what the what the last one is. The Runaways oh, the, and the Weezer. Runaways and Weezer. Thank you. Those are all great picks. You you've known me very well. Uh, I did not have Jane's Addiction though. Oh, okay. Number one, what other band can get all the boys and girls to rip off their shirt and wave them above their head at a concert? Mm -hmm. Go. The Red Hot Chili Peppers. 
They were on your list. That's my on number my one band out of LA. Hey. So there you go. Nailed me the whole time. Well, well. They didn't really get big until I think Mother's Milk went, kind of sent them. But even then, they were still kind of underground. Blood Sugar Sex Magic is what kind of sent them into the stratosphere. But Fight Like a Brave, I remember them in the early 80s. I've been listening to them since about 85, I would say. Okay. I just remember seeing like a video, Fight Like a Brave. And I was like, that is so different. And I loved it. And so I've always been a Red Hot Chili's Pepper fan. remember the uh the one video i think it was uh like wasted or something where dave navarro and anthony kiedis kissed warped warped not wasted warped. <laughs> yeah yeah i i remember that from like 10 minutes ago <laughs> yeah well hey we want to thank you so much for um learning exactly what not to do on a podcast thank you. we just want to say we really love you we're we yes. do we are glad that yes. we get to hang out with you each and every week and uh, we brought our D game this week, but hopefully um, we entertained you or at least um, yeah. our, a warning to the young children out we there. We brought the D all right. Yeah. 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 So just want to say thank you. Oh, and let's go through our list one more oh, time. Oh, yes. Yeah, so let's do that. <laughs> yeah. Before we leave these poor people alone for another week. I was number five, the Beach Boys. Number four was the three o'clock. Number two. No. Number three. <laughs> Number three was War. Number two was X. Number one was the Go-Go's. And I have a whole slew of bands that I think really need mentioning when we're talking about L.A. Go. So I'm going to go right now. The Rain Parade. 2020, even though they were from Tulsa, Oklahoma, they uh, did spend their career in L.A. The Long Riders, The Last, The Quick, The Pop, Los Lobos, Black Flag, The Blasters, Dream Syndicate, Eels, The Gun Club, NWA, The Pandoras, Red Cross, The Screamers, Sparks, TSOL, That Dog, The Weirdos, The Untouchables. And even though they were originally from San Francisco, again, they spent a lot of time in L.A. I'm going to go with The Lineage of the Nerves, The Beat, and The Plimsolls. Beautiful. And here's my five at number five, Concrete Blonde. At number four, Bad Religion. At number three, Juan's Addiction. At number two, Weezer. And my number top, my number one top LA band would be Red Hot Chili Peppers. And let's go through my little list of bands that needed to be mentioned. Dada, Hole, Hypnogaja, Linkin Park, L7. I've already talked about a few other ones there, but let's not forget about the Bengals, 30 Seconds to Mars, and Fishbone. Fishbone. All great bands. Every single one of them. A lot of great music from L.A. Great music? Great town for music? Yes. Well, should we randomize? Let's randomize. Let's go ahead and See what we're talking about next week. We're going to redeem ourselves. That's a beautiful thing about life in general and podcasting is we can always redeem ourselves. 
Exactly. There's always next There's week. There's always next week. All right. The top five songs of 1996. Oh, wow. Maybe we won't redeem ourselves, but <laughs> please tune in to find out. Da, da, da. All right. Hey, thank you so much. Really do love hanging out with you. Uh, please get to our Facebook page. When you do see any of our posts, please share them. Please listen to this podcast. And if you can, please rate it. It helps with the algorithm. And it just means we get to make more friends. You don't need to be specific to this episode. <laughs> yes, please. It's late. It's 11 o'clock for Greg. It's 10 o'clock for me. I, I have fault. less excuses. <laughs> Until next week, we love you. Thanks for listening, and we will wave hello and say goodbye. The theme music is Frequency, written and performed by yours truly, Brett Vargo. Any other music in this episode is presented solely for purposes of review, examination, and news reporting. If you like what you hear, go to your record store and pick up the LP, CD, cassette, or 8-track, or stream it if you're one of those newfangled fancy pants. If we're lucky enough to still have these artists with us, go out and see some live music. For the latest updates, join the O3L community at facebook.com slash only3lads. We want to hear from you. And while you're at it, click on the Shop Now link for the coolest threads. Until next time, thanks for listening. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at IntoHistory.com.